Welcome back to the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined as always by my friend, the Startups.com CEO and founder, Will Schroeder. Will, I think a lot of people uh, listen to this podcast because they, you know, get tired of talking to themselves as founders and, and want to hear <laughs> two other knuckleheads going through some of the same challenges. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. have been through the same challenges. And so... Uh, uh, why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about advisory boards today, which is you know another way of of adding some peers to the room um, and and having conversations with people who actually know what you're going through, uh, which we both know can be a real challenge as a startup founder having that that peer to peer or even you know do a mentor type relationship where you got somebody you can talk to who actually knows more than you do. Um, Imagine which feels that. Good. Uh, <laughs> you know, right? I'm surprised at how many people. You know how many founders don't seek out an advisory board? Like you know, as we talk through it today, if you don't have one, it's going to sound so obvious that you should have one. And, and frankly, it's not that hard to get one. Uh, but I, we talked to tons of founders, seeing tons of startups, and time and time again, I always say, "Hey, you know, you're early in. Have you created a, an yeah. advisory board?" And time and time again, they say no, and I say, "Why?" I say, well, it didn't occur to me that I should, and so. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things I think are inherent and obvious when starting a company. Uh, creating an advisory board typically isn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's funny because uh, you know one of the the main challenges, one of the main things that we do here is that it's lonely or that you know I, I yeah. I'm not sure what to do, and for some reason the answer to that typically seems to be do nothing um, and just continue to have the conversations inside your own head, which, you know, it's a fantastic place to be. I spend a lot of time in my own head. <laughs> but there are certain challenges that become infinitely easier when you can talk to somebody who's been there and done it. So, yeah, I'm always shocked at the number of startups that we talk to who, yeah, A, don't have one. And, and as you said, in a lot of cases, didn't even consider uh, that they needed one, right? Until they were essentially told or somebody else asked them like, well, who's your board of advisors? And they're like, oh shit, we don't have one of those. Let's, let's go make, let's go get one now quick. Well, right. It, it, right. I think a lot of people think board of advisors means board of directors, right? They've got this, this, this idea of this old version of like, you know, the 1950s, you know, room of people sitting in a circle telling you like, you know, what you're going to do with your company. The old smoky board room. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do with any of this. Board of advisors answer to you, right? You know, and they're not even a board, really. They're just, we call it a board because it's a group of people. But um, these are really people you select, you give the terms to, and they're there to just help you out. There's really nothing else to it. Maybe we should just rename it. Let's just call it a panel of people who know shit you need to know. How about that? We yeah. We just won't yeah, call it a yeah. board of advisors anymore. Group of smart, helpful people. Uh, and so I, I think before we kind of get into all the ways that can be helpful, uh, I, I, if you, if you're okay with this, I'd like to just take a minute to talk about like what this composition even looks like, because I think, again, if a lot of people have never had one, they have no idea really what we're talking about. Um, or they have a, an idea and maybe it's very different than what it actually is. So might be helpful just to, to kick this off by saying there's almost zero reason to, to not have an advisory board. Okay. Um, and all we're talking about is a handful of people that as the founder you reach out to, and we can talk about how you reach out to them because I think that's important, uh, that you select, that you think are going to be particularly helpful in your journey as a startup. And so these aren't people that were forced upon you, right? These are people that you went and sought out. And I think one of the first things that people get uh, a, mis a misconception of is they think that it has to be a, a doctor, a lawyer, and a preacher. It has to be people from three like very specific, <laughs> you know, different um, 
uh, parts of your business and they all have to kind of like make up all the disciplines of your business. Not so whatsoever. It's three to five people, usually not more than five, that you select that just have an understanding of what you're about to go through. I think the best way I tend to describe it is these are people that help you see around corners. Yeah, it's exactly it, Will. Yeah, I mean, they're already standing around the corner from where you are. They've been there. They've done it. You know, whether you're needing help with uh, preparing a pitch for, you know, an investor meeting, um, you know, structuring your your term sheets, uh, trying to figure out what the hell a cap table is and why you need one, um, to, you know, opening up their networks for uh, and their Rolodex to, to help you with, with hiring. Um, there's sort of as many use cases for an advisory board um, as there are things to do in a startup. Um, it never, ever hurts to get that additional perspective um, on any of the myriad things that we have to do. Um, you know, and I think something else worth pointing out, you talked about the composition. Um, I do want to point out that oftentimes the composition changes over time. Uh, I think that one of the the pieces of pushback that I hear on occasion is that yeah, well, you know, how do we decide? You know, you know how how do we pick this person? How do we make sure that they're going to be right for the life of the startup? I'm going, maybe they're not, but if they know what you need right. to know right now, that's probably not a bad thing at all. Um, much in the same way we talk about, you know, even founders being outgrown by their company, and certainly happens with employees. The same thing can happen with advisors, right? You may need some really early stage stuff, like you know, how do we go to market? Um, how do we explore early marketing channels and figure out which ones are going to work the best? And they may start and stop at that point. This doesn't have to be a forever relationship where this person sits in on a call, you know, every quarter, whether they have any value to add or not. They're not going to want to be there. You're not going to want them there. They just won't be there, right? It doesn't have to be set in stone. I think that's important to note. You know, I've gotten called in on, on a number of boards uh, you know, throughout my career and at all different stages. And I will say this, I'm by far the most helpful at the beginning of your business. Uh, you know, if, when the business is ramped up, I'm far less helpful. Um, but I've been on everything from nonprofit boards to school boards to um, uh, startup company boards to public company boards, uh, you name it. And, and I'll say this, as the advisor, you also tend to know where you're going to be valuable. Right. Like you, you, you kind of know, hey, like I'm just, it doesn't make sense. I worked with this uh, company that did enterprise consulting. And in the formative years of the company, uh, by the way, one of the most buttoned up companies I've ever worked with. Um, but in the formative years, I was really helpful at making a lot of those key decisions. But once that company started to hit 100, 200 people, I, I, I could have been helpful, but I knew, again, this is what I'm saying by the advisors, that there were people way more helpful than me that had much, much more experience and more reps at that period of the company. But here's what's so cool. To your point, Ryan, your advisory board is interchangeable, right? It's basically, you know, like, like picking your kickball team. Like you can kind of pick who you want, and if they don't work out so well or they outgrow, uh, pick somebody else. And, you know, a lot of what we'll see is advisors come on for like a one to two year term. The nice thing about the one to two year term, and you kind of negotiate that up front, is that you both have a bit of an out. Like in some of the advisory boards that I got involved with, uh, after two years, I wanted to get out. You know, I couldn't wait right. till my two year term was up. I just didn't feel like I was contributing enough value and it just wasn't that exciting for me. Um, so you can turn people in and out while you go. And I think that's really valuable. Um, and maybe later in the podcast, we can talk a little bit more about how you recruit those people, how you incentivize those people, how you comp them. Obviously, you don't really have much money. Um, but before we get into that, I, I think I think it would be helpful to talk a little bit about where the biggest bits of value come 
from these advisors because it's a lot. Like it's a geometric change from what you have now. Uh, you know, Ryan, when you kind of sit back and think about it, what are some of the big points that that come up in your mind? Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's a ton of them, but I think you know, amongst the amongst the most important, really early on, um, would be just some credibility, right? Yeah, the fact that somebody who other people recognize cares enough about what you're doing to attach themselves to your wagon says a lot, right? So that that social proof at the early stage is a really, really big one. Um, and honestly, you know, there's a lot of a lot of different ways to generate social proof, um, but bringing on the right advisor is a fantastic shortcut to having some real credibility um, at an early stage in one fell swoop. Well, yeah, and you're going to need it all over the place. Uh, you're going to need it certainly when you raise capital because the investors are going to have no idea who you are. So they're going to need to know who's connected to the deal uh, in order to get in. Um, you'll often use it with your marketing in the early days. You're launching this new product and no one's ever heard of you. So you're saying, by the way, we are supported and advised by some of these really smart people in the industry who you've probably heard of. You're going to use it when you pitch partners and customers. You're going to say, hey, here are some of the people that have already kind of blessed what we're doing. And so that kind of social proof uh, adds to a little bit of our credibility in the sales process. You're going to use it in recruiting. There are people that are all, again, basically for anybody that doesn't know who you are, you're going to use your social proof (laughs) to let let somebody far more uh, popular than you do the work for you. Um, And it's, it's a critical critical element and there's there's uh there's just no downside in having it now again over time that burns off a little bit but in the early stages why wouldn't you want to have that yeah no it's it's a huge accelerant it's a huge accelerant i mean like i said there are plenty of ways to build credibility and and social proof almost all of which take significant amounts of time this is the shortcut to getting you there Um, and again it's not the only reason you're doing it it comes with a lot of other benefits ideally um, and so, you know, there's, there's no reason not to do this. Right. And so as you're thinking about the composition of your board, pick at least one or two names, if you can, that, that the people you want to talk to next already know, right. Super critical to being able to open those doors, add some credibility to what you're doing. Um, and, and just make the same much, much shorter process than, you know, kind of building your own goodwill in the community. Yeah. In getting those names, this is probably a good time to talk about, uh, where and how you can actually find those people. One of the things that entrepreneurs, because you know, founders, they haven't been through this before. One of the places that they get stuck is they say, oh my God, I would love to have this one awesome person on my board. I'd love to have Sarah Blakely from Spanx on my board, but I'm just starting off and she's a billionaire and you know that could never happen. And, and maybe that's a big get, but the secret behind all of this, advisors aren't that hard to get. Uh, and here's why, <laughs> here's why. Uh, at the very worst, they say no, right? But at the at the very most, what ends up happening is you you pitch Sarah Blakely or you pitch her people, and now you've got an inroad. You'll never offend somebody by saying you'd like them to be part of your advisory board. So aim high. And as it happens, it's a really cool thing to be asked to be part of somebody's advisory board. Uh, I'll, I'll joke about this, but Ryan and I probably get asked 10 times a week. Not because we're so incredibly popular, <laughs> but because we run a startup platform that has a million or millions of startups. So uh, we just happen to be the first person that's like in front of them, right? Um, 
And so, but every time, like every time I get asked, um, I, I, I'm always appreciative of the ask. I think it's always a very cool ask. Uh, incidentally, I say no to a hundred percent of them, uh, not because I don't think they're great companies, but because I just don't want any advisory board positions. And so I actually have a blanket answer, which is no to everybody so that I'm not favoring anybody. Uh, but that said, that said, it's a cool ask. And I also think it's an awesome way to build a relationship with someone that you'd really like to get connected with. It is. And so, uh, Ryan, if, if you're okay with that, I'd just like to take just a couple seconds on kind of good process to do that. Do it. Let's go. It starts off with, I need your help with something, right? You're we're going to assume you're talking to somebody that you have, you've never met with before. You somehow got an email or a social media intro or however you got, you got an intro or however you got connected to them. And the ask is always simple and hopefully is in few words as possible, by the way. Some people send me an ask and it's like nine pages in an email. And, and I appreciate the time it took them to write that. <laughs> yep. But like, dude, I have a lot of work to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, you just gave me a homework assignment, yeah. right? And not a great way to start the ask. The ask should be short and punchy and very specific to what you you specifically need. But uh, yeah. But the ask shouldn't start with, will you be on my advisory board? I just want to make that clear. The ask should be, I need help with this particular problem uh, and be very specific about the problem. Non-specific would be, can you help review my pitch deck? Like, who wants that yeah. level of homework, right? Very specific. I want to raise funds. Can you help <laughs> me? <laughs> uh, very specific would be something like, um, I'm trying to do customer acquisition in this channel um, for these customers. I know you've done a ton of this. Uh, what segments do you tend to go after first when you're pitching a similar product? I mean, whatever it is for you, I just made that up. But it has to be something crazy specific, uh, just so you're more likely to get an answer. Yep, makes it an easy answer for them, right? Correct. Which is, which is nice. And if they like you, if they like the product, that's the ideal time to start leaning in on the, hey, I'd love, like to get you more engaged. Would you be open to, to joining our advisory board? Just that simple. It doesn't have to be a long proposal. Would you be interested in joining the advisory board? Chances are, whoever you're asking that's important enough to be on an advisory board, it's probably not the first time they've been asked. And if it is, they're smart enough to figure it out. <laughs> so you, don't, you don't have to build, yeah. up, build up to it too much. It doesn't have to be a wedding proposal. Uh, and so what I, what I challenge and recommend founders to do is aim high. Deliberately aim high. People that are well above your weight class, so to speak, compared to where you are in your career or that type of business, et cetera. Because we'll talk about this many, many times, Ryan. Founders love to help founders. And even if they say no, you still have a, a, a dialogue and a relationship with that person. Yep. So there's just no downside, you know, to really asking. That's a very important point, Will. You know, in, in much of the same way, I have to say no to a lot of these things, right? We just, we are in a position where we get asked so frequently that just even the, the conflict of interest checks, there's so many reasons why it would just be really, really tough to do this. Um, but it doesn't mean that I don't help these folks either, right? And, and so I often do, I'm flattered by the ask. Um, which always is, is is a great tactic, right? So then I feel like, well, hey, you know, this, this person likes me. Yeah. I'll, I'll like them too. Um, and I end up in some sort of an email dialogue, often jump on the phone with them once or twice and just give them the help that I think they need in that moment to keep them moving. Um, and maybe even point them to somebody else in my network uh, who who might be a better fit or have more time or whatever uh, from an advising standpoint. Um, so yeah, it, as you said, it's a great way to open the door. 
Um, and it often leads to a relationship, whether it's as a formal advisor or not, um, you still have that inroad now. You have a conversation going. Um, and, and that's just a, a great way to build that network. You know, I would say probably in the exercise of building your board um, of four to five people, you probably end up building a small network of 20 to 30 just through the, the exercise of composing the board in the first place. Yeah, it's, it's huge. Um, and, and also, you said 20 to 30. I mentioned before that, like, uh, you know, a typical advisory board would be three to five people. But the likelihood that, especially in these days, that you'll ever be meeting with all of these people in the same room at the same time is almost zero. Your advisory board can be nothing more than one-on-one meetings with each person that you need help with when you need yep. help with them, right? You're kind of like your individual guardian angel for that problem at that time. So, so long as you can manage those relationships, you can have as many as you want. There's no real magic number to this. If, if you reach out to 10 people and, uh-oh, 10 people say yes, not the worst thing to ever happen to, right? Um, so, so don't get too worked up on the number. Just get worked up on the quality of who you're asking. And so I'll just touch, touch on this for a minute because uh, this often gets lost. Um, when I was a 19-year-old founder, uh, still in college, the people that were in my network that were the smartest people I knew <laughs> weren't that smart. <laughs> Just look at thinking yeah. about it like in retrospect. Like, yep. uh, I had a very, I, I had a crappy network, um, but I didn't know it. But if someone had come to me, kind of like, you know, listening to this podcast and had said, hey, you should really just take, take whoever you know and try to level up two to three times and go after them. I would at least have had like a baseline reference point to be able to say, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Like my college professor, who's the smartest person I've ever met up until this point, probably isn't the best possible person I could go after. And I would have tried to really spend some time to think about how to like level that up a bit. And I think that's really important um, in trying to seek out your advisors in that you're trying to find people that have extensively more experience than you have. If they have marginally more experience, kind of waste of time. Yeah, it's one of the one of the questions I like to ask when people are starting to explain their board of advisors to me. I'll ask why, you know, why that individual. Um, one of the the answers that I get most frequently is, oh, they were super excited about what we're doing. They really like our product. They and and it's all feedback about how this person yeah, feels right, about them. Right. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but but <laughs> but why did you choose them? What are they going to do for you? And and I think that you know you you said something uh, kind of to this point earlier. Um, which is that, you know, you and I get asked very frequently because sometimes we're the first person that's heard about their idea and just said anything nice back to them, right? That's not a good reason <laughs> to pick an advisor. Now, Will and I would be excellent advisors, but not simply because we said, cool idea, bro, or, you know, that, that sounds fantastic or whatever. Like, that's not enough to, to kind of pass muster for, yeah, you're an advisor now, right? You like my idea? Advisor, you got, you got a seat? Let me give you some equity. <laughs> what else can I do for you, sir? Um, like, <laughs> I love a red carpet rollout, but let's make sure we're putting it in the right place. To be fair, uh, you know, like any relationship, you know, we're going to pick some winners and some losers. Uh, it's part of the process. Yeah, I, th- there's there's no necessary reward you're going to get for going five for five on the perfect advisors. And like we said, as the company grows, evolves, changes, a couple of the people who you thought would be really strategic and really important because they had that one bit of advice. A great example is people pick lawyers all the time. Unless you're going to have some extraordinary amount of legal issues, which I let's hope you don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, the fact that this person could advise you through the incorporation of your business doesn't qualify them necessarily 
to be the long-term advisor in your business. Uh, the idea is that these people are going to have perennial advice like marketing or staffing or you know things that you will always have an issue with. Just be mindful that somebody getting you across kind of um, one frog pad, if you will, uh, lily pad rather, um, isn't necessarily the best person to be locking up full-time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we see it happen. You end up with the one trick pony. Um, but again, that's why is why we're making this point that these boards are flexible. It's not even really a board to your point. Um, you know, these, they are flexible. You can change people in and out as needed. Um, and, and I did like also the point, because I think that's something else that people misconstrue is that they all have to get together at the same time. Right. Because I've certainly been on boards where that was the case where, you know, everybody gets pulled in together, um, which I would say causes much oh, yeah. trouble. It's a logistical as it did nightmare. Help, right. Often the, the personalities butting heads, the logistics, the whole thing, uh, can, can be really problematic. Whereas, you know, if you can simply just take the feedback from all of them individually, it allows the founder to decide rather than having to listen to the, the children argue about, you know, whose perspective is more valid in this case. Um, yeah, so I, I think that, um, you know, it is important to remember these things can change over time um, and to try to stick to the interactions with these individual advisors where they can add the most value, right? If it turns out to be a one trick pony, utilize the trick, yeah. move on. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, but the other side of it, you know, as far as the long-term value is that you're not only getting their depth of knowledge, you're also getting their Rolodex. And, you know, we really have yep. to dig into this Huge. part because this is such a huge hack, if you will, in, a, in the greatest of ways for most young founders who don't have a Rolodex or founders who you know, aren't necessarily young, but just aren't plugged into an area like funding or, um, or marketing that they would otherwise need to be. This is such a great way to be able to pick up an entire world of connections that you don't have immediately. And I think that should definitely be part of the, uh, the decision criteria in trying to find a lot of these advisors. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And this is actually one of the very common use cases that, that I get involved in, right? Because of what we do and the connectivity you have within the founder community, within all the support services around that for entrepreneurs, um, my network is often one of the most valuable things that I can bring to bear. Um, and luckily, like I said before, I don't have to be a formal ad do that, right? I can still right. open the network up to people, um, assuming I've had enough shots on goal with them in some way, shape, or form to to validate. Because obviously, you know, the, you spend time cultivating this. You want to make sure you're not sending a uh, a rabbit into the cabbage patch, as it were. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it's a super important piece of it, though, and it's such a force multiplier. Um, I I don't know if I've ever met a founder who was like, I've got the network I need. I've got the entire network. All I all I need is like, you know, some other, right? it's almost always a component of it, right? And again, in the same way that this is adding the right advisors, adding an advisor with the right network is a major shortcut to so many other resources that you're gonna need. Um, and really, um, you know, it represents a huge piece of the value uh, within that advisory board. Um, even experienced founders who have a network um, or say you're, you've been an executive for 20 years and you've decided to leave and start something in the same field, do you know the people who write the checks? Probably not, right? Um, and you're going to be, you know, at least somewhat siloed into whatever aspect of the business you were involved in running as an executive or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I'd say in terms of of, of hierarchy, um, I'd put network even above the credibility piece because I think yeah. that even if you lack credibility, still, um, those connections can get you where you need to be. Ryan, you mentioned when you're, um, you know, even if if you're an executive been around a while, uh, when I was starting, uh, I think it was like my third or fourth company, 
um, I was starting to spend a lot of time in, in Los Angeles and I was about to move to Los Angeles. Uh-huh. And when I landed, uh, I didn't know anybody. And I was there for almost an entire year and I hadn't met anybody in technology. I mean, it was just, it was also just a different time. LA was kind of a different ecosystem at yeah. the time. And I ended up meeting uh, a guy named Jason Nazar. I uh, started DocStock and now runs yep. Comparably, just like just great guy. And uh, I told Jason, I said, hey, man, like, I just don't really know anybody in town. You know, I've been having a hard time connecting with folks. Ironically, this was before social media. And uh, he said, look, there's like 10 people you need to meet. <laughs> and just right then, yeah. Jason introduced me to all of them. Yeah. And within like, I'll never forget this, within like 48 hours, I had met like four super connected people, like, you know, had dinners and lunches. And from that point, my Rolodex exploded. I mean, specifically thanks to Jason. And, uh, you know, that's really where it clicked for me, where I was like, man, in the past, I've always just built my my Rolodex like so slowly and so painfully. And I realized at that moment that one person could just fast forward all of it. It's such a powerful move. It is. And you know what? Where it made the most amount of sense for me, especially at that time, was I was going to go out and raise uh, professional capital for the first time. Yeah. And prior to that, even though I had been an entrepreneur for, boy, at least 10 years, you know, maybe longer at the time, uh, I'd never raised capital. Yeah. So I didn't have a reason to know lots of investors. Yeah. You know, and this happens all the time. But Jason had raised capital. He introduced me to all the investors that raised, you know, that put money into his company. And overnight through Jason and then through lots of other connections thereafter, I met like, 10 investors that wanted to put money into my deal in like a week. It was unbelievable. And I guess what I, you know, I'm thinking is had I tried to come up with some other clever mechanism to try to start my capital raise, um, it would have never worked. And, And what I also learned at the time was some of the folks that I reached out to, I didn't think would be investors, but I really just needed them to give me advice on how this process worked. So what I found was really interesting was I was actually legitimately just reaching out to people around town to try to get advice. And there's an old adage that I learned, which was, if you you want to get advice, raise capital. And if you want to uh, uh, raise capital, try to get advice. Um, And I wasn't doing it deliberately, but by asking people, you know, legitimately for advice, a lot of people leaned in and said, hey, I actually, by the way, I really like what you're doing. So I'd like to be an advisor, but can I put money into your deal? And I remember some of the people that said that I had known for 45 minutes. (laughs) I'd never seen anything like it. I mean, now I'm familiar with the space and I understand how that works, but I just remember being blown away at the time. And uh, so when, when founders say, how do I start raising money? The first thing that I say is get people around you that can extend your network. And then in some cases, maybe the ones who put in money because they'll start to spend some time with you and get to know you. You don't have to bring them on the board in order to you know, provide capital or invest, yeah. but it does tend to happen quite often. And so, I mean, Ryan, when we talk about all these things, we talk about social proof, extending your network, raising capital, all these things, like just the, the number of upsides are just damn near ridiculous. We're about to wrap up here. Once we do, listen to the outro, go visit startups.com, of course, and then go start your advisory board, right? Like you need to do it. If you don't have one, do it now. Yeah, and you can find advisors on Clarity.fm. Uh, I mean, we've got all over startups.com, and it's 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 ridiculous. I, I don't want to turn it into a huge promo, but I mean, that's also kind of what we do for a living. Um, 
but 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 Ryan, so so if you're okay with it, let me let me wrap by saying this. There's no downside to having an advisory board. If you're not actively seeking one, even if you're not just seeking the first one or two people, it's an it's an enormous miss. If you've got a co-founder, divide the labor and start going after immediately. Uh, start hitting people up on LinkedIn, on Clarity, wherever you can find them. But make this an absolute priority because it's going to pay dividends throughout the entire life of your entire startup. That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And we hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at Startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer, from our online university to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin. That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later. 